Welcome to a special interview episode of Broadway Radio. My name is Matt Tiamanini. On today's episode, I'm in conversation with the wonderful Tom Sesma, who begins performances tonight in the new play A Sherlock Carol, which is running through the holidays off-Broadway at New World Stages. In the show, Tom plays a very different version of Ebenezer Scrooge than we are used to seeing on stage and screen. In our conversation, we discuss the process of reinventing such an iconic character, why the message of this unique mashup show is so valuable right now, returning to the stage after the pandemic, and much more. Between you and me, this is one of my favorite interviews that I've done in a very long time, and it has absolutely nothing to do with me. Tom was incredibly generous, insightful, warm, and funny, and it made me even more excited to see the show than I already naturally was. We will have all of the information for how you can get tickets to a Sherlock Carol in the show notes and at broadwayradio.com and how to connect with Tom on social media. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Tom Sesma. Well, I'll, I'll start by saying, as somebody who loves all things A Christmas Carol and all things Sherlock Holmes, as soon as I heard the log line for this show, just the title of the show, actually, I was in. But I wondered if you could, since this is a new show, hasn't started performances yet, if you could give us just a little bit of insight into how these two iconic characters became intertwined without spoiling anything, since I'm assuming uh, that Sherlock Holmes is involved. There's some sort of mystery in this story. Well, there is a mystery, and I don't think I'll be giving away too much by by letting you know, uh, in a nutshell, what the mystery is about. Um, you know, in 25 words or less, or around 25 words, you know, Sherlock Holmes has seen a lot of awful things in his life, and I think he reaches a point where he's just lost hope. He's just um, uh, looking at the world in despair, which is not good for anyone, especially someone who's in the business of helping people. And um, just when he thinks he's packing it in, in his own way, and when you come to see the show, you'll find out why or how, um, he's um, haunted by the ghost of the redeemed Scrooge. In other words, Scrooge that we don't really know that well, because we only see him for a little while in A Christmas Carol, um, you know, the Scrooge that has changed, the Scrooge that has that has become a happy and generous man. Uh, and um, he appears and sort of guides uh, Holmes uh, through um, through his own journey um, into a possible redemption for himself. Um, and, you know, that's the great thing about, um, you know, that's the wonderful thing about A Christmas Carol. You know, we think of A Christmas Carol um, in pretty basic ways. You know, the story of this old curmudgeonly Scrooge, you know, uh, who is um, who is saved by a journey into his past, into his present, into his future by um, supernatural powers. Um, it's a story of redemption. It's a story of death and rebirth, if you will. And in, a, in an interesting way, all the home stories whether they're about murders or some other crime, they're about death and rebirth. And Holmes is the agent of that. So the great question is, what if Holmes all of a sudden doesn't want to be the agent of redemption and the yeah. agent of change because he can't redeem himself anymore? That's the great mystery. And uh, 
it's it's so interesting because when I was asked to audition for this, you know, I thought about it and I thought, well, this is kind of a cute story, but it's just going to be a parody. It's just going to be a satire. It's just going to be a silly mashup. And what Mark Shanahan has done is he has written a real play. He has written a three-dimensional, deep, deep play uh, with lots of different layers of meaning. Um, and I was, you know, from the first page, I was completely surprised at where this thing was going. It was its own mystery unfolding in a way. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and it was very exciting, very exciting to read through. Well, and the way you describe it about, you know, Holmes being in despair and having somebody, whether otherworldly or not, um, kind of guide him back to finding joy and hope and, and change, that honestly feels like the perfect type of thing, not only for the holidays, but for these holidays as we are coming out of a pandemic that is still going on, but at least um, starting to come back to some semblance of normal life. It really feels whether or not it was written for this moment. I don't know how long Mark Shanahan has been working on it, but it feels like it kind of is the perfect type of show for this moment uh, in, in the world and especially in New York City and in the theater community. Yeah, well, you know, all great plays are ultimately about redemption and redemption comes from death or suffering or loss um, and out of which comes rebirth. I mean, that sort of is the definition of redemption, isn't it? And it, yeah. so, yeah, this particular time in history, I think we can we can uh, look at this play as the perfect play for the times. In a strange way, you can look at almost all the great dramas that are being done on Broadway or anywhere, you know, just in the canon of great drama. And you could read them in a new and different way, because if anything has changed uh, in our world coming out of the pandemic right now, coming out of the loss and the suffering that we have all experienced, even the most privileged of us have experienced uh, loss and suffering, um, we are going to read everything differently if we choose to. Mm -hmm. So, um, but as far as a Sherlock Carol goes, you know, why not do it with familiar characters, characters that we know so well that they're almost a part of our family. Well, and that's interesting because you say we know these characters so well, but you are playing, as you said earlier, kind of a different version of Scrooge. This is a post three spirits, post Christmas morning Scrooge. And I wonder, like, there have been so many phenomenal actors who have played so many different versions of Scrooge in different ways. Um, <laughs> I wonder, is it even possible to get some of those performances out of your head, even though you are playing a different uh, a Scrooge in a different era of his life? Like, can you get, you know, uh, you know, Kane or even Scrooge McDuck? I mean, can you get any of those people out of your mind as you're working on this new take and a new story on this character? No, absolutely not. You know, and I could do my research, you know, uh, I, I could uh, plagiarism is just another name for research. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm very, very lucky because we're actually using the Holmes stories and Christmas Carol as point of departure as two points of departure or putting them together as a single point of departure. Yes, we're drawing all, all of these quotes from both uh, the Holmes stories and Christmas Carol. Uh, but Mark has really brilliantly shaped these into new, uh, shaped these into a new play, uh, a new story. So it's almost as if you've never heard these things before. And certainly there are lots of lines. There are lots of quotes from A Christmas Carol that uh, 
that Scrooge draws on in talking to Holmes, in guiding Holmes through his through his journey. But they're out of context. They're a little bit different, so I can't yeah. rely on them. I have my favorite Scrooges. Uh, I, I don't have a single favorite Scrooge from the past, but I have a um, I have favorite scenes from all of the different Scrooges mm. that I've seen, and um, and I, I I can't find a way to fit any of those in. I'm really really fortunate. <laughs> and also, I think Marcus is a really smart director. He's not going to let me steal yeah, yeah. he's not going to steal unless it serves a particular moment in a in a particular way he wants me to bring what i have whatever that is i, I have no idea what that is because i'm <laughs> I'm, just, I'm not watching myself i'm just doing it yeah um, but it's it's nice to dig deep you know it's always nice to to revisit famous plays that you or musicals or movies that you've seen before or if you're lucky that you've done before and to revisit them and see how it's different now than when you first did it. You know, yeah. I did, I did uh, um, uh, a few years ago, I did the off-Broadway revival of Sweeney Todd down in the pie oh, yeah. shop. And, and I saw it. It was, you were phenomenal. I, I, I was going to mention it later, but yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. But um, th that was a really, really special journey for me too. Uh, and this is one of the reasons because I had done a previous production of it way back in, I think the first time I did it was 1995. And it was really influenced by all the Sweeney Todd's. There weren't that many at that time. By the Sweeney Todd's I had seen before, the great George Hearn, the great Len Carreyou, and and other people. Um, and even the production back then was sort of a mini version of Hal Prince's original concept for the show. Uh, it was about a certain thing. And I was very, very proud of my work and very, very proud of that production uh, at that particular time. And... Um, Flash forward to all those years later, I wasn't sure that I wanted to do Sweeney Todd again because I, I, I f wasn't sure what I could bring to it um, all those years later that I, you know, hadn't done before. Silly, silly me. <laughs> uh, I looked at the material and in those intervening years, I had experienced loss. I had experienced suffering. I had experienced death. I had experienced things that made no sense to me and I had to find the justice or the good in them. It had changed me to the extent that when I read the material and when I learned the music for the audition, it was as if I had never heard this material before. Wow. It was brand new. And I think that that's the thing I discovered that made me desperately want to do that production. And I was lucky enough to be cast in it. And um, doing it again, navigating that journey through this new immersive concept made me approach the play in a, in a different way. Um, that it was always fresh for me. It was always elusive for me. It was always new for me. And hopefully it was for the audience as well. I'm finding the same thing is happening here with, uh, with a Sherlock Carroll because I can't fall back on the story of the Christmas. I, the story, the theme, yes, redemption, change, absolutely, it's all there. But the context of everything I'm saying is so different. And it's interesting because some of the things I'm saying to Scrooge, I mean, that I'm saying to Holmes, is the stuff that the ghost of prison, Christmas present hmm. told me. And I have to evangelize Holmes with this message, with this gospel of redemption, if you will. 
and it has to be new and interesting. It has to be new for me, fresh for me to tell someone else because I'm not the ghost of Christmas present. I'm Ebenezer Scrooge. So how is it different? It's a, so I don't know if that makes any sense, but it's a great, great, way of keeping it green of keeping it fresh or keeping it green keeping it evergreen how about that i didn't realize well done well done yeah well that's interesting and this is going to be a a slight tangential from this you know normal conversation but the way you talk about that it's something that feels familiar because like you said it's coming from the ghost of christmas present and, and and all of those things from a christmas carol but it's kind of having new life breathed into it with this story that's not dissimilar from every christmas and holiday tradition that we have where we do the same things over and over. We watch the same movies. We sing the same songs. But because we change, because our lives change, they have different meaning. If you go from being a you know a single person, those stories and those songs and those traditions change when you have kids. Or if you lose a loved one, they change because they have different memories. It, it, that feels, just the way you're explaining this show, feels very real life and feels very much like the story of the holidays for each of us individuals as human beings. Right. Right. I mean, how much of it, how many of us every year, like church, we watch a Charlie Brown Christmas on TV, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we can, we can all basically recite the entire program. We can all do the Snoopy dance, you know, uh, around the Christmas tree. Some, some better than others. Some better some than better others. others. <laughs> and, you know, it works on two levels. Number one, when we watch it, it reminds us of how we felt and who we are way back in yeah. 19 blah, 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 when we first saw it. And yet we also honor and acknowledge how we have changed, how we're still here how we're still graced to learn something new from that same tale because of how we've changed because we continue to learn new things. Yeah. I think that's why we celebrate holidays. I think that's why we celebrate Christmas, New Year's, uh, the 4th of July, Arbor Day, you know, any (laughs) national holiday that we take seriously. I think we, I think those are moments of reflection. Those are moments of pause for us, moments of discernment, if you will where we get to examine how we feel about those things at a different time. I mean, even election day, a a day like today, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I went out and voted and um, I feel differently about voting now. I think most of us feel differently about voting now in 2021 than we felt six years ago. And I'm not going to mention why I think we all know why, Mm -hmm. but we have a different feeling when we take pen in hand and we put a mark on a ballot we ha- I, I think there's more of a sense of responsibility or duty or, or, you know, in some cases, desperation, a sense of hope, maybe, a sense of optimism. Um, and that's a new thing. It's not different from when we get a present from someone on Christmas Day hmm. that we've gotten a present from for 10 years, 25 years. How is it different? We get to ask ourselves. We have the grace of asking ourselves those questions. I think in an interesting way, you know, that's what any Christmas Carol story is about. Ultimately, it is about how do we find grace in familiar things? How do we find change in familiar things? You know, where is the opportunity for growth? 
in ourselves. There's never a day that goes by that we can't be better, that we can't that we can't change. Yeah, right? Ab- absolutely. And you you mentioned that change and that opportunity to to see things differently. Since New York Theater has reopened, you have been pretty busy. A Sherlock Carroll it won't be your first time back on a New York stage. Um, you did uh, Letters of Suresh at Second Stage. What has that experience been? You said it's, you know, we look at things differently each time we do it. Returning to the stage, while it is your profession, I imagine that it did kind of feel a little bit like a holiday coming back after a year and a half of, of things being shut down. Going from Letters of Suresh to a Sherlock Carroll, obviously two very different shows, but I, I, I have to wonder how did that feel for you did it feel different did it did it feel like you had learned something in the intervening year and a half what what changed for you to be back somewhere where you have been for the majority of your adult life and career you know that's that's such an interesting question i i didn't really clock what changed i did notice that um that I worked differently, that my sense of, hmm. of going to work and showing up on a daily basis and and taking my work seriously um, after after the fact, after I was after I, I realized I was in the process of doing it, that um, that I think I was a little more serious about it. I think I've always been a little. Um, I don't want to say that I was ever not serious about <laughs> yeah, my work. Understood, but, but I think that just on a daily basis. Um, I had a job to do, and I was grateful for my job, probably more grateful than I had ever been before uh, at a previous point in my life. Um, I mean, to jump back into opening into work right away was very, very, um, was very, very special. Uh, I'll be brutally honest with you. I, uh, not brutally honest, but but completely candid. I did have a sense, and I still do, a sense of survivor guilt. Because I was one of the I was one of the privileged few that got to come back to work right away in a very very high profile show, um, working at one of New York's preeminent theaters with one of America's leading playwrights and, and a, a genius director, Maya Dralas, you know, doing Letters of Suresh, you know, right out of the gate, and then before that was even open, I was offered this job, so I knew I'd be coming to another job, and I felt, why me? Why did I get, why am I so blessed here? Um, I don't have the answer, but um, it keeps me right-sized. I think it keeps me incredibly grateful. I look around at the number of incredibly talented, good, talented, really wonderful human beings who still haven't gotten a job yet, who, who are, are still struggling with the uh, losses that the pandemic brought. Um, and I wonder why not them? I know that's a weird thing to to bring up, but it's always on my mind every day. And it keeps me on beam. It keeps me grateful for my work. It keeps me um, very, very conscious of the responsibility that I have to show up every day, to be be professional. I know all eyes are on everybody that's working right now. Uh, We all have to be, how can I put this? If I am the only working actor that a non-working actor or a non-working person is going to see, then I better be good. And I don't mean 
good on stage. I mean, I better be a good person. I better be an honorable person. I better be grateful. Um, and that keeps me working hard. That, yeah. So that's, that's one thing. Um, the other thing is I realized this when we started rehearsals for Letters, Letters of Serration. This has continued now through the Sherlock Carroll process that all of the icing that makes theater fun um, and we're talking parties, we're talking having people backstage, we're talking the meet and greet on the first day of rehearsal when there's a, a big breakfast buffet of bagels and cream cheese and fresh fruit and orange juice and coffee yeah. and all that stuff. Um, you know, uh, going out to lunch together, um, having a, a big swell, uninhibited opening night party, all of that stuff is expendable. All of that icing that makes the theater so much fun and kind of special and exclusive just for us who are in it is on hold. It's, it's on hold. Things are not the way they were before. Hanging out with understudies, can't do it anymore. Understudies have to be separate from the onstage. Oh, wow. Wearing masks backstage, wearing masks during rehearsal, except when you are speaking lines on stage or on, you know, when you are speaking lines, you know, in a scene. Uh, as soon as that's over, you put your mask back on. Is it hard? Is it inconvenient? Yes. But things are not the way they were before. And as soon as we start believing that they are, as soon as we relax a little, we're letting Mr. COVID or Mr. Delta into the door. And that person is just sitting in the back of the room waiting for something to go wrong because that's where we are. That's what's really difficult about what we're doing right now. As far as the relationship with the audience, and here we are back in front of an audience again, and isn't this really special? I'd say that the two times that I'm aware of that is as soon as the play begins and as soon as the play ends. Because if I'm thinking about those things during the play, I'm not doing my job. Yeah. I have a specific delegated task before me, and that is to play Scrooge. That's my job. Yeah. I can't get distracted by the by the other thing as much as I might want to. Um, it's it's really not present. It was, you know, I have to I have to tell in a, in a very, very funny sense to go back to Sweeney Todd down at Barrow Street Theater. People always ask me, wow, what was it like to sing when Sondheim was there? What was it like to do that show when Sondheim was there? I was so lucky with that show because that show was so hard to do, was so hard to navigate, you know, on a very, very complicated level in those close quarters with the audience in front of you and getting the song right and doing this and that. I never had time to think about Sondheim watching me. So it never really made me that nervous because I was just worried about getting it wrong for myself. Yeah. So in a weird way, it's the same kind of thing. Doing the show now, it's like, you know, acting is hard. Acting is hard. You just got to do it. You got to get it right or try to get it right every night. Yeah. I, I I love everything about kind of the way you've laid out your perspective, especially coming back. That is uh, incredibly insightful and, and kind of heartwarming to to hear how. 
um, how much you appreciate this opportunity. And, and it makes me even more excited um, for this show. And I do want to, before we let you go, I, I circle back to uh, A Christmas Carol. And you mentioned earlier that there are some scenes from previous Scrooges that you would like to incorporate if Mark would let you, which he apparently is not. I wondered if there was one that comes to mind, especially that you would be up for recreating if Mark deemed it appropriate uh, in this show. I I will tell you, Mark is, in addition to being incredibly smart uh, and really, really creative, Mark is also one of the most generous directors. He will let us do almost anything in the room. He'll let us fall on our face or he'll let us explore into some weird obtuse uh, direction uh, just to see where it leads, just to see if we can find anything. It's very much the the uh, approach of throw everything on the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. Um, you know, within reason, of course. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say that there are bits and pieces of Scrooge that I would apply to this show. Um, but there are, it's more a question of there are favorite scenes uh, from, previous iterations of A Christmas Carol that will always stay with me, that um, that just influence my take on the character. Um, but they just don't they just don't apply here because the story is so different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that I think that I could probably construct a, a, a narrative of Scrooge's journey with all of these different cuts from different films and different stage productions that I've seen. Um, and it would be entertaining just for me, just in terms of how I have always read or seen A Christmas Carol. Um, it's, um, but getting back to Mark though, and his generosity, I will have to say that this ensemble, this cast is, um, comprised of the most talented, um, inventive uh, clowns. And I use that in, in, in a classical yeah. sense <laughs> yeah. uh, that I've ever, ever worked with. Um, brave, just f- absolute fearless acting going on. All in, all in, um, all in the, a very focused search on getting to the center of a scene and making it as entertaining as possible. I tell you, I look forward to showing up every day just to see what my colleagues are going to do. It's, um, you know, usually during a rehearsal process, when you're not doing anything for a number of pages, you just want to step outside. You just want to have some downtime, right? Have some time away from the rehearsal studio, sit in front of your laptop and read your email or write a note or, or have another cup of coffee and chat with someone. And, um, I never want to leave the room. I never want to leave the room because Mark Price or Dan Dominguez or Isabel Keating uh, and and Drew, um, the most fearless homes I've ever seen, um, they're always doing something, not just entertaining, but something you can learn from. Hmm. Uh, you know, comic geniuses all, but they're, I think what makes them geniuses is there's such heart to their work. The stakes are always very, very high. Nothing is ever just for effect. Nothing is ever just to be funny or entertaining. It's funny, it's entertaining, and it's deeply, deeply truthful. And it just drives this narrative forward. Uh, There are moments when 
I'm watching the thing and I just wish I could say, you know what? I'm not going to do this show. I'm going to buy a ticket because <laughs> that's how good this is. All right. You've got me sold, Tom. I, I think anybody listening and how excited you are about this show, I don't know that anyone could not be incredibly excited uh, to see this as well. Um, but last question here for folks who might need just that little last push to go out to New World Stages from November 11th through January 2nd. What is it in a, in, in a thumbnail elevator pitch about what they're going to experience it, the, the all the press materials say that this is a holiday production for all ages what will a family who maybe has both adults and some younger kids and kids in the middle coming to see this show what are they going to be able to take away from a sherlock carol that they might not get in a normal either holiday show or even a, a traditional version of a christmas carol well, I think it's a new show. I mean, I think that that's one of the really, really exciting things about it. It's a new show. It's not just a Christmas Carol. It's not just a Sherlock Holmes mystery. But like all good mysteries, there's this place for the audience to take this journey and to try to solve the mystery along with the person on stage, Sherlock Holmes, who is trying to solve the mystery. The great thing about this is we get to solve Sherlock's mystery. What's mm -hmm. driving him? What's going to happen to him? And who is this Scrooge that we've never seen before, that we've only seen for 10 minutes in every production of the Christmas <laughs> Carol? Yeah. Who is this happy, jolly Scrooge? And what is he doing in my Christmas Carol play? So it's those new things. It's discovering a new way to get to the heart of how Christmas changes a person, how, how Christmas redeems a soul, if you will. And, um, and it is unashamedly a Christmas show. That's the other great thing about it. It's like the, the, the spirits of Christmas are present in every moment of this show. So it's not just a mystery. It's not just a, a new play about, you know, we're not, just, we're not just borrowing from Christmas. We are rooted deep in the Christmas spirit. And I dare say, you're all in dire need of some spirit these days. I just quoted from the show. So Very nice. Very nice. Well done. Well, I am, a, like I said, I'm a, a huge Holmesian fan and a Christmas Carol fan as well. And, and obviously uh, a fan of yours. I Oh my gosh, thank you so much. I, I loved Sweeney Todd. I was at the first preview of Unknown Soldier as well. And obviously Whoa. that show closed uh, too early because of the pandemic. But I um, am very much excited to see your take on Scrooge and I wish you nothing but success with this run and a happy holidays as well and hopefully we'll get a chance to chat again in the future. Happy holidays to you and thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Absolutely. Absolutely.